distant planet somewhere in the galaxy of terror? This is the Kill by Kill podcast where we are dedicated to celebrating the least discussed component of any horror film, the characters. Now we're going to unpack all the goriest of details when it comes to Galaxy of Terror in the hopes that a space ranger's untimely end at the hands of their own fears is just the beginning of the jokes we can make about them and their fears. And as always, there's only one person I trust that if I say, put your hand in that wall vagina and open that door, she'll figure out how to do it. It's the one and only Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing, Gina? Uh, I'm I'm okay. I, I'm a little bit still lost in this giant pyramid mm-hmm. uh, that's supposed to be showing me things that I am I am afraid of, but but I yes. am I don't know what those will take the forms of. It, it could be some <laughs> vines. Oh, uh, yeah. It could be some tentacles. <laughs> there's there's I, a I, lot of vine and tentacle-like structures, yeah. They're very proud of their puppetry in this movie. <laughs> there's a theme that I'm going to discuss a little bit later on that I have found with this. But let's let's start with one theme that I found that, that precedes uh, what happened before this episode and what will happen throughout this one. And that is everyone is attacked almost invariably from behind. And I think I found the director's greatest fear, which is being attacked from behind. <laughs> it's predominant. Like almost everyone gets it from behind. And I'm sensing, oh, I don't know, a theme. Yeah. I mean, even the other characters, you know, when they decide to abruptly attack each other, will come from behind. Like Ray, like Ray Walston gives Robert England the old knocking someone out by hitting them on the back of the, on the neck trick, mm-hmm. which I, I didn't know you could do that. Oh, it's a grand tradition. <laughs> As Austin Powers used to refer to it, karate chop. Uh, and it works <laughs> like a charm. Can I ask a, 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 a semi-serious question Absolutely. about this movie? Of course. Is it possible that this movie in some way, in some way, inspired yeah. Event Horizon? I don't doubt that. I think there are seeds of this film as it was seen by other people that obviously inspired them to do other things. And like, I don't like this, but I like that component of this. And you can see little seeds of it, weirdly enough, in things like The Matrix. <laughs> like, there, there's <laughs> little components here where you can see someone thinking, like, I could use that in, you know, something better. And them doing <laughs> that. I, I honestly do think there are elements here picked up and taken to different heights by other people. I Well, no, I just thought that, you know, the, 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 is it, Paul S.W. Anderson, who did mm-hmm. Event Horizon, is that correct? Right. Yes. You know, that, that he was thinking, you know, I like this idea of people W.S. Anderson. You know, being Sorry. attacked. <laughs> what did I say? S.W. <laughs> I, I would get W.S. Right. How many times have I Paul said the, something on this, on this show? Paul, like the other, times. Paul, not that Paul Anderson, that he was, you know, watching this is like, well, I like the idea of people being, being, you know, att- confronted by their own fears and possibly killed by them or things that they are, you know, they feel guilty about, things that haunt them. But I also don't want rape worms. 
how can I bring that together? You know, people being being you know sort of almost like a like a space Pennywise, which I think I, I used that phrase in the last episode. <laughs> yeah. You know, a space Pennywise concept, but no rape worms. And add a healthy dose of Hellraiser, but without the overt sexuality, which I, I think is something that might have helped that film a little bit. It's a little cold to me. I like a lot of it. I, I watched it recently because they had that new blue come out and it looks pretty good. And, you know, it's like a, it's an almost there movie. Um, in turn, I don't think it's genius, but I, obviously he was fucked with a lot by the studio. So how can you make something perfect in those circumstances? That being said, like, I, it's uh, there's a lot of that space Pennywise action going in there, and then you just get you uh, salt bay it with Hellraiser. That little <laughs> thing, the salt comes and cascades off of your forearm. <laughs> um, who knew? Who knew that a movie with a rape worm could be so inspiring <laughs> um, to 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 many other better filmmakers? But also components of movies that you might not hold up as canon can gestate in you and then turn into something else. I mean, that's what like memory, the origin of Alien seems to be all about are these little seeds of concepts that build and build and build until you find all the right people to make it happen here. There's not the benefit of this gestating for years and decades. It's a reaction movie. We got to get an alien like movie out there. And strangely enough, some of it is really, well, it's at least really cool to look at. <laughs> you got to well, give thing, it that. The problem for me is that I didn't get any of this except that I read the Wikipedia page for it. Like mm. I didn't get that these people were being confronted by their fears Right. Like, I mean, I mean, the the only one that kind of makes sense in that regard is is Robert England because he he oh, he's afraid of himself, which is kind of clever. I I will I will give it that. It is it's kind of clever. But like in the last episode, you know, that the the character who 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 gets wormed, let's say, <laughs> you know, in this in this extremely lovingly detailed wikipedia page uh-huh. she is supposed to have been well this is her fear of her own sexuality i was like oh is it now because <laughs> i i did not get any indication up to that point that she was afraid of her own sexuality just as i didn't get any indication that Aaron moran is afraid of vines well no i i think the vines are <laughs> Just a leap ahead. I think the vines are a symptom of her fear of tight and cons- and confined spaces. And oh, okay, fine. All right, okay. <laughs> we'll give you that one. When it comes to, I think it's a misinterpretation of that scene to say that she's afraid of her own her own sexuality. It is a very legitimate fear that uh, something strange and disgusting would sexually assault you. That's a legitimate fear. A legitimate oh, fear that that. People can very much resonate with it's rarely displayed when it comes to slime worms in outer space, but that's like the taking the Giger element of alien and trying to run with it and make it sexier for a Corman audience. Um, yeah, but it wasn't, but it wasn't sexy. <laughs> so I, agree, sexy. I agree, but th- that's where the misfire happens is that it doesn't matter how good the core idea is if the execution leaves you wondering what 
So there's a lot of this in, 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 in the movie, but I find the sum of its parts very interesting to watch them swing and miss in a spectacular fashion. Like if you've ever been forced to watch a kid's sporting event, like, like baseball and a kid gets up to, to bat and he swings so wildly that he just spins around like a top and hits the ground. <laughs> and you're like, that's amazing. Like there was so much momentum going into his desire to hit this ball hard that he just fell on the ground in the most spectacular fashion. And I feel like that's what I'm watching here, but a space movie version of that. <laughs> You're a little more generous than I am, but, but uh... <laughs> this is, this is one of those movies where you were coming into it completely cold. Whereas I had watched it several times. So I've built up a, th- a theories about it in my mind that may or may not be true, but they are my own. These are the same things that that led us to to movies like Hello Mary Lou Prom Night too. Uh, they can't all be Mary Lou. That, that's the no. what we're gonna find along the way. And we're and <laughs> but at least it's not a misstep on the scale of Black Xmas. Like that was a complete clusterfuck. Oh yeah, and I mean there is there is aspects of this that are entertaining. Like again, I I I find Robert Englund's performance to be to be charming because he's kind of a doofus and yet he is the only character that survives to the end of the movie, which is <laughs> which is remarkable. It really is. I I the fact that they have two survivors is kind of wild, but they're both the ones who've conquered as it were, their fears and made the realization that fear is even involved. Um, <laughs> okay, right. Let's let's get into it because I have a theory about our our main protagonist, Cabrin, that will be illustrated as we go. <laughs> so previously on Galaxy of Terror, uh, we witnessed a man getting killed by a washing machine ghost. Uh, a space captain stroke her navigation console like she was trying to coerce it into giving her a jackpot and the first American <laughs> hentai movie. But what everyone wants to know is who's still left alive in Galaxy of Terror? Well, the way to do that is do a quick body count. Let's start with, of course, Robert England playing Ranger at his pre-Freddy uh, finest. Uh, and we also learned that he can't operate a chair, but can operate on a dead body. So that he's got that going for him. Uh, then we have uh, Trantor. She's the ship's captain who tragically lost her entire crew uh, in a deadly battle at Nacho Libre. So <laughs> I got that right, right? Yes, you got that right. Okay. Right. Uh, we also have uh, Cabrin, a cool-headed space veteran, portrayed as only the son of Eddie Albert Can. Almost competently. We also have Aluma, played by Aaron Moran, who took on this role as a sci-fi empath to shed her image as America's little sister by playing a spaceship crew's little sister. Of course, I have spelled Lil the correct way in my notes. L-I-D-D-L-E hyphen. Yes? <laughs> Perfect. Oh. Chef's kiss. Uh, then we have Balon the guy who obviously should be in charge because he's so very angry that he's not in charge it just makes sense and last but certainly not least is Ray Walston as Mr. Spacehand 
Space Mr. Hand uh, was filmed in front of a live studio audience. I did expect him to ask at some point if any of them were on dope. <laughs> it's a legitimate question because I can tell you this. This movie is much better when you are high. It, uh, that might have just, been my problem. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to go out there and say it. Um, we return to the action where it is revealed that Kor, the ship's cook, is wearing a metallic apron because future. Uh, he and Ranger discover that Captain Tranton is no longer at the uh, ship's helm. And Ranger discovers that someone is firing the rear cannons, which is bad for reasons and uh core disappears only to later surprise him with a mr hand chop uh, <laughs> which as we noted earlier is manages to knock him out completely for reasons we cannot cr- quite understand i mean he's he's fine like two minutes later he, he's just like getting up and running around again yeah, it uh, would have been more helpful if he just kind of like slammed him up against the, the bulkhead or something. But I don't know. It's a movie. It's a movie that takes place in outer space with, you know, a giant rape worm. What are you going to do, people? It's not meant to be realistic. We are then treated when uh, Ranger does wait. Oh, no, wait a second. Kor is the one who finds uh, Grace Zabrinsky and she's firing against some kind of space brain. Um, in, in a, a, is, is that what she's doing? I thought she was playing some kind of game. You know, she's firing real cannons against her her imagined fear, which is this enemy that killed all of all of her previous crew. That that's what that enemy supposedly looks like. It's a bunch of uncooked loaves of bread. The 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 crew that died at a at, at Taco Bell Crunch Wrap. Yes, exactly. Okay. That's what I said. Um, yes. And so Cora's is like, hey, um, what you see, you know, this is an illusion. There's no one out there. See, and for some reason, I think he's the the goal here with this scene, I think, is for Cora to try to get Tranton to realize not to fall prey to her fears because she has displayed fearlessness in the past. And he would like her to actually not succumb to her fear. That's what I'm a little unclear on. What is his motivation here? Ultimately to find the individual who's so past their own fear that they can take his role as planet master. Okay. So he just wants to like, he wants to like, he wants to retire to like a nice, like you know, senior community in, in in space, Florida or something. Correct. That's right. Uh, 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 Someplace in Florida for ex uh, planet masters who are still active in their later years. <laughs> yeah, play a little handball, you know, do some square dancing. Yeah, like to get in a bocce ball league and uh, do some bingo on a Friday night. You know, shit like that. You know, find Sounds some great. cocoons in a pool and uh, start breakdancing. You know, what seniors <laughs> do. Sounds wonderful. Oh, I cannot wait. Uh, we, I, uh, happened to be recording this from Texas, uh, and I passed the other day, a new construction site for a, a new home for active seniors, 55 and over. And I'm like, Oh, we're almost, we're almost there, man. We're we, almost there. Well, uh, <laughs> that is within a decade and I'm not cool with that but are you, at all. But are you, a- but are you active? 
I don't know if I'm active enough. I might have to get more active to qualify. That makes me wonder if I would have what it takes. Uh, and that makes me think that you're, there's some sort of fame-like audition where everyone auditions to be active enough to qualify as an active senior. Do you have what it takes to get into Shady Acres? Well, I'll tell you what it takes. Sweat. Hard work. <laughs> Other parts of that monologue from fame that I don't remember. Let's start taking those country line dancing lessons now while you, while, you, while you still can. The last time I took dance lessons was in anticipation of my wedding to my beautiful wife, Becky. And uh, she managed to find us some dance teachers who would teach us to do a tango to a song for our first dance. And they were very lovely people. Uh, she had very tall hair. Uh, she was about five about five feet tall, but her her hair came up to my the top of my head. So it's the full foot of hair. And then he had a single nostril. <laughs> and like from so, like excessive cocaine use or something? Or? Uh, I don't I don't know its source. And it's it's one of those things that's hard to ask about. So tell me about you're down to one nostril. How'd that happen, cowboy? <laughs> So it's a rough one to bring up in casual conversation, but Becky had to look straight into that when learning her part of the dance. So I think I had it much easier. So we're what the fuck were we talking about? Active seniors, Grace Lipinski. So Core is desperate to get Trantor in some way to recognize the fact that she is responding to her fears and not to something real. She almost gets there and then she relapses, but not until she hands her own little Irene Ryan competition monologue about how she almost saved the day at Costas Gravis. I said that right. <laughs> You, you just keep remembering. Great job. <laughs> okay, because that's that's what I meant to say. And during this, she makes a lot of extraneous mouth movements. It's it's like a dance. All of her, all oh, of the was, parts of her yeah. lips have independent movements. She she's absolutely preparing to 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 play uh, Sarah Palmer in, in Twin Peaks. <laughs> uh, if they saw this, they're like, "That's my girl. Let's bring her in. Just make her an offer. She doesn't have to audition because." There is a serious amount of crazy happening underneath her skin at all times. Yeah, I mean, she looks like she has a bag of snakes crawling under there. She ends up grabbing the largest prop gun I've ever seen. It looks like three bazookas strapped to one another with a with a vacuum hose at the end of it. And she takes off running for parts unknown. Ranger finally wakes up and comes in, finds Core in the empty gun room. It's like, where'd she go? He starts flipping switches because this movie loves flipping switches and finds a video of her in the airlock where we see Tranton just go up in a full Steve from Hereditary. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she is charbroiled. Uh, she is tender. Uh, you can cut her with a fork at the end of that. Also, something I noticed here, and I was going to bounce it off of you. The soundtrack this movie sounds like it was written and played by Keyboard Cat. It's just <laughs> yes. two paws. <laughs> Over and over and over again. I just feel like they could have stepped up in the soundtrack area. Well, you but know, that, when you've got like when you've got like you know killer killer vines and 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 rape worms. I mean, you know, you can uh, 
you can cut some quarters somewhere. <laughs> That's right. All of all of the music budget was uh, focused on vine work. So a uh, ranger runs to the rescue only to find Tranton has become the finest pit barbecue this side of Austin, Texas. R.I.P.D. Tranton, which always sounds like Tauntaun, the beast that uh, Han has to cut open and stuff Luke into and Empire Strikes Back. I do love that when Ranger finds her, he does that little prissy, like putting his fist in his mouth, like, eh! <laughs> <laughs> was that's great- not what I expected when I saw someone <laughs> light themselves on fire. Yeah. <laughs> well, I did mention before that there's some great like male reactions to horrifying things in this, in this movie. <laughs> you've either got like, you know, shrill lady screaming or you've got a little bit of like, eh! <laughs> oh, uh, was he hoping that she kind of had a wily e. coyote thing where it was just kind of black suit? She's just smoking, smoke? yeah. <laughs> with, a, with a little sign that says "Yikes." <laughs> Cut to the ship's mess, uh, where we got a family meeting going on. It's time to decide: we either go back inside that pyramid's butthole and stop this signal that's keeping us on this killer planet or die one at a time for reasons. And this scene is best typified by Aaron Moran's character because she goes from, there's no way in hell I'm going back inside that thing to, well, I'm not staying on the ship alone within 15 seconds. I know because I timed it. (laughs) Yeah. And she's kind of got that bug eyed sort of, you know, I'm really scared look going on at this point. She got, she makes, she, she's no Grace Zabriskie. I would say that, (laughs) but she makes some really good facial expressions from like this point on. Oh, I have some freeze frames that I will be sharing at some point of how wide her eyes get. At one point, I'm pretty sure you can see brain. That's how wide her (laughs) eyes get. Like cartoon wolves aren't that eye-centric about their reactions. They're about to come out on springs. (laughs) Uh, So once... Deep inside that pyramid, but Ranger starts sweating heavily and tries to communicate to Cabrin his suspicions about Core, and then Balon can't decide which leg is the bad one. He shifts the hitch in his giddy up twice in one scene alone. Just like tie a rubber band to one leg or something. Decide ahead of time which leg is the bad one and stick with it. Oh, it's no wonder he quit acting and directed softcore porn. Well, you know, you, you, you know your limits, you know your talents. That family meeting scene is so wild because everyone goes from thinking that Cabern is the bee's knees, just the best man on earth, but they kind of start going over to Balon's side where they're like, fuck you, fuck you and all of your, you're not big man on the galaxy. You're nothing but a mustache. And he's kind of like. I was going to say, I was going to say, fuck you and fuck your mustache, Magnum. (laughs) The seams begin to show. No one is starting to trust one another. The pyramid is driving them insane. And at one point, Balon just starts shooting at shadows. And then he gets yelled at by Freddy Krueger. And (laughs) no one is having a good time inside this space pyramid at all. But I will say, can you think of another small budget movie that has this many different sets built for it? 
Like every part of this pyramid looks different than the last part. I just can't think of another movie of this sort of Corman era that has all of these fucking sets. Yeah, the, the sets are the sets are pretty good. I mean, they they it seem it does seem like when I write about movies and television a lot, I, I will often make mention about how they spent a lot of money in one area at the cost of you know a script, characters, dialogue, you know, what have you. But yeah, they definitely put about 75% of the budget into in into these sets. I will defend the characters because you can tell the difference between Balon and Ranger and Cabron. They're distinct people. They're, they don't have the same motivations. They don't act the same. You don't feel like they're all the writer's voice just divvied up amongst eight different people. Like people are making choices on screen here for good or for bad, but they're all decided, you know what? I'm going to limp and say fuck you to everyone and it works or i'm going to be silent and just karate chop you and put my fist up that's a choice and it's the choice that i like well that's what i feel like that they that these actors got like pages and pages of character development and you know created these characters and then you know they go to watch it at the at the big premiere at you know the you know Grauman's Chinese theater and none of that ended up on the screen <laughs> it does kind of translate in the margins though think about all of the indistinct characters in Jason X like you can barely tell those people apart outside of their outfits they all sound like the writers divvied up and here that's not really true. You can want more. You could want different, but they're actually delivering something distinct. <laughs> I am like not a, convincing like, you. <laughs> like I said, you're 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 a little more generous than than, than I am. Maybe I maybe I do need to watch it a few more times to to really appreciate it. <laughs> I have the feeling you're not going to watch it a few more times. <laughs> And uh, all right, so they all hate one another. Uh, Aaron Moran stops in the middle of a tunnel slide like that a-hole Jimmy from third grade. <laughs> and you end up bashing into him and knocking heads. The noise that their butts make when they slide down these tunnels sound like the Smurfs when they ice skate. <laughs> yeah, the, the sound design in in, in this movie, if you, particularly if you watch it with headphones, is, is squishy and squeaky. It just all sounds like the Hanna-Barbera cartoon library. And I'm sure that was what was available to them, you know, and that makes you appreciate a movie like Alien so much more because it's just, uh, this is... Uh, well, Aliens is just like this, like, low machinery rumble with occasional ominous drips of water. And that just seems to be, like, like so much more tension building. Whereas here, it's like, squeak. Squish, squeak, squish. <laughs> yeah, it, they're uh, it, it, and they're mixed so odd. <laughs> Again, the budget on this was not particularly high. So where where it falls short, it falls quite short. But then you have that incredible matte painting of where Balon gets attacked of this inner pyramid versus the outer crust. And you're like, fuck, that's straight up THX 1138 territory. Like that's really good looking. 
Yeah, it's it's yeah, the phrase they made choices is accurate to to apply this. I think that's both with the actors and with the production design and with the directing and with the editing. Yeah, choices were made. <laughs> yeah, not all of them made sense, but yeah. let's let's talk about one that doesn't quite reach the plateau that we want it to. And that is Balon, who is being stalked by a hand puppet shadow for a good portion of this movie. And, and eventually he is is attacked by a monster that sort of looks like give Uncle Scrotor a hug from uh, this island Earth. <laughs> yes. Uh, I mean, when it's the hand puppet, I was like, oh, it's Kermit the Xenomorph here. Because it literally <laughs> looks like someone doing the hand puppet out of his shadow, which in concept sounds like, well, there's a really cool low budget version to make a cool effect. It's just, it would help if it wasn't a dude's hand. I mean, let's just put a sock on your hand or something to, to make it look less like a hand. Also talking about, uh, you know, hands that don't quite reach the level that we want them to. At one point he's stalked by a pair of Turkey claws that uh, come up the underside of the bridge that they're on. <laughs> and again, here, here's my question. What does that represent for his fear? Is he afraid of turkeys? Is, I, is, he, af- is he afraid of the, the Metaluna monster? I mean, you're not wrong. I think in con- if I were to project on him, what I think is happening is that he is shooting at shadows. He's convinced that he's always be he's always in a firefight, even when one isn't occurring. And therefore it, it, you know, manifests in this sort of pumpkin head, but it's more of like a calabash squash head <laughs> yes. that has glowy eyes. Like- but why does it look like that, though? Am I being am I being too literal uh, about this? See, I, I, again, I, I you know I I keep using the phrase space Pennywise, and and I'm thinking of how particularly in the book of it, like mm-hmm. you know you had kids who were afraid of um like say for instance the creature from the Black Lagoon, and the creature from the Black Lagoon came out of a lagoon and killed a kid. I mean that was like a literal. I mean it just seems very if they're trying to go for some sort of symbolism. It's not working, and yeah. and I feel like that if they if they if they were to go for symbolism, you know, he should have been he he should have been attacked by a tiny penis, yeah. <laughs> a tiny penis that might have been stomped on a little bit. It's um, it's not the end of the penis imagery in this portion of the movie. Congratulations, everyone, we made it. <laughs> I agree. If all of the fears, they set them up to have distinct characters with distinct fears. And sometimes like with Kuod and his love of the crystals, and then he's killed by the thing he loves that while not executed, well, makes sense here. Or like Ranger, your Ranger being afraid of himself. I mean, yes. that's, you know, that's, that's clever. I, I will mm-hmm. say that is clever. And I mean, the, the, the way it is executed is kind of silly, but but the you know the concept is clever. Yes, um, I believe at one point in the fight between himself and himself, he duels with the butt of his working gun against a knife. How does that work? You have a working gun. I know that it's not quite as effective as you want it to be, but it's a terrible saber. I'll tell you that right now. Don't. <laughs> Don't knife fight with the butt of your gun. And he kind of does for 10 seconds. 
It's, I mean, uh, I do, you know, in, in, in part, in, you know, in keeping with the whole, you know, did, did this movie actually inspire, you know, other better movies? I, I did get a little touch of Army of Darkness because he kind of like his bad self kind of does this little, you know, smirking at him, mm-hmm. which is, you know, again, you know, a very iconic scene in, in Army of Darkness where he does the whole goody little two shoes, goody little two shoes. And, <laughs> and, and, and like, you know, he's taunting him and, and, you know, but, but in this one, he just, you could see a little bit of the Freddy Krueger coming out yes, because he's, can, he's, yeah. He's smirking. He's kind of doing the Kubrick stare sort of thing. And, and, you know, as if, you know, well, the audience might not know which one of them is the bad one. So we can't stick a mustache on him because that won't make any sense. So we'll, no, just have him make, we'll just have him make these kind of clownishly evil faces at him. Yeah, he they, he's underlit and he, you know, they emphasize the sort of bags under his eyes and he does approximate that sort of Freddy hunch of his shoulders here. So we kind of get a proto look at he's, how he's he physically. Yeah. <laughs> In essence, he's like, how do I portray an evil character? And he's like, well, what if I kind of do this with my shoulders? And he probably referenced back to that thinking no one on God's green earth will watch both these movies <laughs> except us <laughs> well who's wrong now robert england um <laughs> so all the while balon is outside he's been trapped outside because uh core has been fucking with this door with a wall vagina <laughs> Where he sticks his hand in and he does something and it opens and it closes. And they're like, let's try to complete the lines in this triangle. And you're like, how does that? These are ideas. They're just, they just don't all add up necessarily. Anyways, they trap him outside and a turkey rips open his stomach. And then he falls off the bridge because there's no railings on that bridge. It is a clear safety violation and someone should contact space OSHA immediately. Yeah. They should complain to the same people that assigned a, 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 you know, a woman who has issues with, with being in small spaces to do space travel. Cause that <laughs> seems like that, that seems like you're in the wrong line of work yeah. if you don't like being in in tight small spaces to be you know working in outer space she's been hired for her empath uh, abilities or her size sensitive abilities and not so much for her de- desire to always live in uh, wild abandoned outdoor spaces this is this is where the what the fuck was your plan planet master kind of comes into for because like how does this help she has a phobia about tight spaces. That's different than I'm afraid that the space aliens I barely survived before in this giant space fight will come back and get me this time. Like that's a legit earned fear. A phobia is a fear you cannot really control because it's part of your lizard brain. And the point of one of the points of this movie is kind of like, well, get out over it or your phobia is going to kill you in real life. And I don't think that's a great lesson to learn. So, you know, if this was like 20 years later. Would he be hosting like Fear Factor? Oh, absolutely. And like, Fear Factor with and, core. That would be and like lower, you know, lowering people into like, you know, a tank full of maggots and all. <laughs> yeah. We're going to roll this car with you inside of it. Um, while you hold on to these crystal daggers, try not to stab yourself. <laughs> 
Uh, now that that Balon is dead uh, and Aaron Moran is flipping the fuck out, Ranger starts <laughs> starts mouthing off to Cabrin, and Cabrin says, "Stay close. We can't afford to get separated." Like he's begging his mom to go hit up the drive-through at McDonald's. It's like, come on, <laughs> stay together, please. <laughs> I think it's kind of the point of the movie. It's just like many of the points of the movie. It doesn't know how to drive them home. Cabrin is the most empathetic of everyone on board. So he's the one who personally connects with all these people, or at least attempts to with Balon. He's like, Balon's like, I'm in charge. You're not in charge. He's like, okay, you're in charge. (laughs) And then when Balon is in charge, he never challenges that. Yeah. There's no conflict. I don't, are we ever actually even shown what he is afraid of if anything i think that cabron's big man on campus in space it that seems to be rangers thing that when he starts to get angry with him it's kind of like stop being mr nice guy stop being mr perfect stop listening stop thinking of other people other than yourself first and he's kind of like you know what i'm here for you man (laughs) it's like i think it's it's perhaps he's too full of empathy. He's almost like Jesus, but with a really sweet stash. And at, <laughs> that probably grates people at some point. And we see that reflected here, but it, it doesn't necessarily lead anyone to their own deaths, their own fears or their own misdeeds or their own, you know, whatever ends up getting them in the end it's really not cabron tries he tries (laughs) and i guess i kind of like that about it but i can see why it pisses people off yeah i mean even after like ranger mouths off at him you know cabron's all like putting his head on him and like being very you know men's encounter like it's okay buddy he's he's a very new age sensitive man he definitely earned that mustache yeah he's definitely he's a very alan alda era leading yeah i mean if he's when he's not in space he probably owns a few dashikis (laughs) yeah this this movie has so many two-person unspoken moments in it where two people just look at each other like hey man you know, I'm with you. (laughs) And that's kind of the parts I like is that there's attempts at developing human emotion into these characters, even if it doesn't really result in very much, it is genuinely trying, even if it isn't genuinely achieving results. I mean, it's, you know, you're, you're not wrong. They're they're trying to, to create a sense of history with these characters. It's just so, poorly edited that it just it doesn't really amount to anything now it does make me think how i have read interpretations of alien in which oh well ripley and dallas are clearly sleeping together and it's like they are okay if you say so (laughs) i mean i mean i i you know i saw i I, i've seen alien a fair amount of times i've I've even seen it with that thought in mind that oh okay i misses no i i did not get that i mean i think that i'm pretty good at at reading people and and reading situations i'm like no i i i don't get that i mean i i guess they could have been yeah i don't i don't know that the 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 you know that this is coming through you know the obvious you know you know 
chemistry and 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 body language between the two of them. It's like I no. Yeah, I I agree with you. I don't think it's coming through their performance or their body language or their relation to one another, which is why I think they cut the scene where she's talking to oh now I can't remember her name, who's. The, the other woman on board. Veronica, Veronica Cartwright Veronica, is the actress. Yeah. My apologies. There's a cut scene of her talking to Veronica Cartwright was where she's like, well, you've, you've slept with Dallas. Right. And she's like, yeah. And like, did you sleep with anyone else? And she's like, well, yeah. And she's like, you don't have to tell me who, but did you sleep with Ash? And she's like, no. <laughs> and that's the, one of the clues to help her figure out, well, if no one slept with Ash, that maybe he's not, she gets, starts to get the sinking suspicion that he's not on the up and up. Like he's here for another reason. She doesn't know he's a robot and that's why he's not sleeping with anybody, but it, it strikes her as odd. He's disconnected from emotionally. He's disconnected sexually and everyone else is kind of sleeping with one. another. Like it's a, a rolling fuck train. Like it's because not only are they space truckers, but it's a, a floating space truck stop. So, but I agree. It's not something that is seen in the rest of the movie. And I think they cut that scene because they're like, well, that's going to come out of fucking nowhere. No one's going to get that because there's no other scene in the movie to back it up. So. Right. Like, and, and that's what something that happens here, like with, uh, um, what was what's Edward Albert's character's name again? A uh, cavern. Cat with Cabrin and uh and um Iluma is Aaron Moran's character. Yeah, they the movie can't decide if he has a sort of brotherly feeling towards her or if they're kind of falling a little bit in love with each other. And and it, and it's weird. It it goes back and forth. And you know, it doesn't help that she looks like she's about maybe 18. <laughs> I don't know how old she actually was, but she's a little too young to be playing this kind of character. And and you know, and he's probably in his thirties, I guess. I mean, he's you know, he's not excessively older than her, but but their 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 body language and the way he acts towards her initially is very you know, big brother, little sister. Yes. And then at the end, they're all like, he's all feeling, touching her face, and they're all like, you know, staring deeply into each other's eyes, and it's like, yeah, what's happening here? Yeah. <laughs> and there's a real "don't stand so close to me" situation. Yeah, and it's like, this. you know, it's like, did you decide abruptly? you know halfway through the script well no actually no we're gonna have to develop a romance instead well okay but you should go back and you know correct everything so <laughs> that 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 so it's you know it, it feels a little less incestuous yeah 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 i again like it's it's attempting to have all these levels to them and they put some of the work in but they don't connect all the dots so the picture ends up looking slightly incomplete not uninteresting just incomplete. Speaking of incomplete pictures, uh, let's go back to that portion of the cave with the wall vaginas. Cora has disappeared, and they've decided that if they connect these three lines of a PlayStation button symbol, that they'll be able to move to a different <laughs> section of the base. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then they all walk through at different times and end up in different sections of a, a crazy maze. Uh, where every plane of every pane of plexiglass appears to have been painted by the Joker. And recently uh, <laughs> this leads to another attack from behind by Rangers tethered. 
and they uh, grimace at each other for a little too long. But then they end up in that uh, knife versus the butt of a working laser pistol fight. <laughs> and uh, finally, the one gets the upper hand. The good one gets the upper hand. And he kind of shoots the other one a couple times. And his, his doppelganger is kind of like, oh, man, he's not afraid of me no more. <laughs> yeah, he just kind of skulks away, doesn't he? Yeah, he fades he fades away like that gif of that guy who gives the peace symbol and then disappears. Just like <laughs> ghost, I'm out. And so he he's like, I was fighting my fear. I was fighting myself. <laughs> and the next time he sees Cabern, he's so proud of himself. Yeah, I mean it's amazing that he's the only one that figures out what's going on because again, he's kind of an idiot. He is, but he, I think he, that he, works he, to his he, advantage here. You know, he this is a character who at the beginning of the movie could not figure out how to work his seatbelt. <laughs> he had to be held in place with a woman's legs. That's <laughs> Because he seatbelts were too complicated, but he's also operating on dead bodies. It's wild. He's also the he's also he's the ship's navigator and the ship's coroner. He, he is he, he is the ship's navigator and the ship's Quincy. He's a man of many space hats. <laughs> uh, and yet also also kind of an idiot. <laughs> you know what? Just because you're smart in one area, like you know discerning how someone died after the fact like mapping mapping out a course for an entire spaceship to go through the stars <laughs> it doesn't mean that you're super smart in other areas like every it doesn't know that you we should expect you to know how to work a seatbelt. yeah i'm a professional <laughs> writer but sometimes i don't spell so good see like, like but do you but do you know how to work a seatbelt? most i'd say a good 85 percent of the time Sometimes, uh, sometimes I just wrap it around my forearm and Becky's like, again? <laughs> I'm like, I know. Sometimes those, airplanes, sometimes those airplane seatbelts get me a little bit. <laughs> well, though, though, but those are so complicated because there's two of them and, uh, and they get flipped around and sometimes you grab uh, two ladies or two men. That's what you call parts of seatbelts, right? <laughs> ladies and men. Yeah, sure. Ladies and men, gents yeah. and lasses, if you want to be old timey. <laughs> That's right. One one of the seatbelts ha- is the silhouette of a, of a man, and the other one has a dress, and that's how you know it's a woman. <laughs> Isn't it a shame we didn't have a guest for tonight? We <laughs> <laughs> were like, oh my God, they gotta bring back guests, Jesus Christ. So this brings us to Aaron Moran, who stares into yet another of this pyramid's buttholes, and it's like, Am I going to go inside this butt? I can go inside this butt. Let me get inside this butt. I can do this butt. This butt will be mine. I own this butt. She talks herself into it. And there's Cabron on the outside of a plexiglass go, no, no, you can't just go straight in. You got to, you got to be gentle, maybe lube, but no, (laughs) she goes in. Go on. (laughs) And it turns out though. We've been wrong about this pyramid's butt because it turns out she goes inside of a penis. That's right. She goes inside of a shaft surrounded by veins. Everything, <laughs> everything is tight inside this penis. Aaron, I was going to say, well, that is face. that. I, I believe that is the most narrow part of of, of at least a, a, the male body. So yeah, it's it's real tight up in there. Everything's tight. Her face, her pants. 
and the confines, and then she is caught in the grasp of these veins. They begin to constrict her, starting with her legs, which break, then across her midsection, which splits open, and finally, it explodes her head, which is fucking awesome. This is the moment (laughs) when I totally fell in love with this movie the first time I saw it. I'm like, no one told me there would be exploding heads. That's fucking awesome. Let alone that it, that it would be a cupcake from Happy Days. <laughs> That's absolutely right. You just don't see it coming. I love that death. Uh, I don't necessarily love this character, but I do love that death. It's pretty good. It is. And it ties into her actual fear. Although it's a phobia, we've been down that road. Uh, whatever. What are you going to do? It can't be perfect, but it can be Galaxy of Terror. Uh, so Cameron finds remains and is, of course, heartbroken that his wife girlfriend lady sister is dead (laughs) but also it kind of looks like he left the coffee maker on it's hard to tell (laughs) he just looks in deep thought about something yeah and of course and then ranger shows up and does another like just you know you know the barest little gasp oh oopsie that's gonna be bad and then he and then in solidarity he puts his fist on top of cabron's shoulder like like you foul balled this one buddy but you know next time you'll go out and get him (laughs) that seems to bring him around i'll find another air in moran i guess and then he goes oh it was my fears my fears did this to me and they're like all right then we gotta find core and then they go into a very another giant matte painting by james cameron this one looks like uh, a hubcap or a bike lock Maybe both, but they also have Mario World stairs that only appear when you step on them, like he's ascending into a Billy Jean video. <laughs> the most dangerous Billy Jean video of all. And Kors is like, come and get me, cowboy. And so uh, Ranger's like, you know what? I got stabbed in the arm. You go ahead. <laughs> So, so he does and he just leaves them there and we never see ranger again like never yeah i mean he 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 is victorious yeah, yeah so, so sometimes sometimes the doofus makes it to the end i think it is his grand stupidity that helped him uh conquer his fears uh but when cabron finally gets up those stairs he finds core in uh, a chamber uh sort of like chilling before hot yoga i guess is the <laughs> attitude we're getting here hold on to your hat gina because this is going to be a real surprise and i hate to spoil it for everyone in the audience but core is actually the planet master what yes I'm, i know you didn't see it coming because they hit it so well and they lowered his voice and his face was all red and glowy. Exactly. His face, his face looked like the inside of a hot pocket. You know, he, he the planet master has known the whole time that he was going to put people through their worst fears, their own personal Jacob Tremblay. That's right. Right. <laughs> I'm very amused by this joke, Gina. It's 
my faves. Keep them coming. Keep it coming. <laughs> All right. Three is where I tap out. Um, Cameron has won the game, but he hasn't won the war. And that means he gets to, this is a real boss level here. Not only is he going to fight the planet master, but he's going to fight everyone else's fears. So right out the gate, Calabash squash head grabs him from behind and he's like, oh, no. And he spins around and shoots him in the mouth. Bye-bye. And then out of nowhere, he Jim Cotta's over the rape worm. A full-on <laughs> fucking flip. But he's not out of the woods yet because rape worm gets him in his tentacles from behind. Gives him a left, a right, and one to the balls. <laughs> he manages to fend off the worm. But w- just wait. He's swapped. By the butt sucker arms that got that old man who sexually harassed his coworker, and that's where we get to hear that Shaggy is drinking a milkshake sound again. <laughs> As it flaps, <laughs> and he manages to shoot all of them. But Rape Worm isn't done. Action forward roll into position, and he fires a bunch of times at the worm. It kind of just stands there and sparks a little. I don't know. Let's call it a draw. But that's pretty much him fighting everyone else's fears. Uh, there's no other fears that, like, washing machine ghost does not make uh, an entrance here. Uh, the vines that killed Aaron Moran don't pop up. It's just. Well, she she appears, though. She's that. she is there for like a few minutes with her eyes just like like looking like marbles. <laughs> oh, I missed one. Uh the cause, his millipede attacks from behind. And uh he does a Charlie's Angels flip and shoots the millipede into submission. Uh and now from the center of the chamber, the angry master control from Tron becomes blue master control from Tron. And then Cameron is surrounded by his dead shipmates. We got Della, Della Reese and we got Cubert and uh, Tauntaun and Bernard Bears, who's doing a really good Viv Savage impression from This Is Spinal Tap. But wait, the Kaz and Balon are there too. It's like the Christmas Carol, but with more slime. Everyone is covered in slime and that one lady, her shirt's all ripped. So we get to, to see her chesticles. Uh, yeah, I, I was wondering about that. <laughs> what were you wondering, Gina? Please enlighten I, me. I just wondering, like, at what point, like, like her boobs fell out of her shirt and, and, and you know, in the transition from from life to death. <laughs> It hurt. Listen, she no longer is trapped by her fear of sexuality, and now she wears her sexuality openly. That's what we're seeing here is a woman unencumbered by the patriarchy's restrictive rules about what is proper, and now she's just letting them fly, baby. I mean, I, I guess that's a, a triumphant moment then? Yes. Oh, it's the most triumphant moment in the entire movie. Um, and so uh, my favorite part of this entire sequence is when Cameron and Kuhad, played by the late great Sid Haig, have a sword fight with their forearms because Kuhad only has one arm. And so they kind of have a karate fight, but he's limited. But again, he's having the, he's blocking all of these fight moves from Cameron with a single arm like the Matrix. Mm. I'm serious. 
those those ladies who made the Matrix totally saw this movie and said, we can do better than that. You want to have a meeting with a guy at the center of it all who says, I have a master plan and I manipulated you into taking over? Oh, the Matrix. That's right. It's Matrix 1.0, baby. <laughs> the pre-Matrix. The pre-Matrix. The pre-mix. Pre- pre- mix. <laughs> The premix. The premix. Yes, there we go. <laughs> oh boy! Uh, and then Aaron Moraine comes back, um, and she can't stop saying Cabrin. <laughs> Cabrin, 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 uh, and she is defeated with the power of love and <laughs> laser course. guns. Yeah, <laughs> it's but a mostly love. punch. Mostly love. A little assist from laser guns, which I don't know how that works against ghosts, but eh, this whole thing's kind of wacky. And then only Cabrin and the Planet Master are left. And boy, Planet Master's really feeling his oats because he's like, this was all my plan. He's very proud of himself. Oh, I meant to do this. This is so awesome. And he's like, what if I don't want to do it? He's like, you already did it. I'm telling you, it's the Prometrix. <laughs> and only I have this theory. And it's so stupid and easily disqualified as a concept. But I'm allowed to have it because dumb people get to have ideas. And then, of course, the master stroke in this movie's arsenal Cabron emits photon torpedoes, complete with the sound effect from Star Trek from his chest. And this somehow defeats the planet master. How did Cameron get the ability to admit photon torpedoes? How, how did, how did that happen? Did he get that from Aaron Moran? Did he get it from chesticle lady? I mean, was he, was he just walking around with these things strapped to his chest the whole time? Uh, Did he always have them inside, but he needed this experience to bring it out? It's, I have questions, but as we see, he destroys the planet master. And now the mustache has become the master. I would have loved it if, if just his mustache started glowing red. <laughs> that would have been that would have been so perfect. It comes close because everything becomes Tron for a second. Where just the outlines of them appear and then it goes back to normal. And he's like, I'm planet master, baby. And then the whole pyramid turns blue and we're out. That's everyone That's and it. everything that becomes is, Tron. That is literally it. I was like, I was like, okay. And, oh, oh, those are the credits. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Just slant. What are the repercussions of this? What does this all mean? Fuck it. We're done. We we tried hard enough, everyone. It's time time for you. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay in Galaxy of Terror. <laughs> so that brings us, uh, of course, to everyone's favorite part of the galaxy is choose your own death venture time and up for bid today are burnt alive for reasons. Uh, you having your guts ripped out and tossed off a bridge. How about getting crushed to death uh, inside of a penis uh, <laughs> or have uh, laser photons uh, from a guy with a mustache shoot you to death. Kinda. Uh, So, as always, as my co-host and my trusted friend in this kill-by-kill adventure, I turn to you, Gina, for your answer first. You know, getting crushed inside a penis is just so so Freudian that I I can't even 
ponder that one. Um, uh, yeah, I'm going to take the boring way. I'm going to get shot by photons. Because, you know, I mean, I mean, at, at least at least my my plan was a success. And, yeah. and I could ascend to either space heaven or space hell. And, you know, knowing that that everything worked out exactly the way I wanted it to. <laughs> Or you know, I might just end up going to that 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 you know that space senior senior living center. Yeah, uh, I'm also gonna go with space photons because everyone else turns into a crazy ghost. So there's no way I want to do that. Fuck that noise. Uh, what if yeah, I, I don't want to come back? Now I come back and like try to lovey dovey convince Cabrin not to kill me. Ugh, fuck that noise. I'm getting shot by space photons the way I've always wanted to die. <laughs> Some people want to go in their sleep. Me, space photons, baby, all the way. That's Galaxy of Terror. That is, that's it. Any final thoughts about the galaxy or the terror? I, I, it's up to you. <laughs> or of. <laughs> um, we all know. Well, your like about I said, this, of Gina, you've you've never been quiet about that. Th- this was my 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 first watch. Uh, I don't know how I let it get past me before. <laughs> I. You know, I, 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 I can see where you're coming from. There are seeds of interesting ideas. Mm-hmm. And and I, I will absolutely uh, um, buy the idea that other filmmakers saw this and you know, took little bits and pieces here and there and, and made them better and, and you know, more cohesive and less rapey. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I, you know, the... I don't want to say that that part of it didn't bother me. It just, it was so absurd Mm-hmm. And 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 I don't know. I, I I would I would love to be at at where you are with this movie, but I'm not quite there. As I've often said, it's impossible to argue or debate someone into liking a movie they hate or 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 hating a movie they love. It's an emotional reaction. And when I watch this movie for the first time, I'm like, how the fuck did I miss this? This is so crazy. It's so wild in parts. It is so chock full of ideas. It misses so hard in parts. And, you know, outside of the occasional worm rape, like, I really enjoy watching it. This is a super other fun than, watch. Other than that. <laughs> I mean, either other than the most memorable part that I could very easily excise from the entire thing. But it is of its time, and it's it's one of those things that I I I genuinely like it much more than the two ripoffs that they filmed on weekends when they weren't filming this. Those are wait, there were ripoffs of this. Yeah, uh, Mutant and Forbidden World are two. Movies oh no, see, I think I see. I think I see Mutant. Yeah, it, they they like primarily take place in the lab, which is really where the family meeting of this takes place. Only they blew out one of the walls and, and made it twice as large, but it's the same fucking set. It's, it's just, it, it's an interest. It's interesting to me because there are probably a half dozen other ways you could have illustrated that that character had a fear of her own sexuality, but it, it's a good, it, you know, it's a good illustration of the time period this movie was made in mm-hmm. where it's like wait how long has this movie been on what 40 minutes well, fuck we need some we need some tits you know? <laughs> <laughs> we 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 need we need a woman to get naked right now it's where the I mean, corman of it just jumps yeah out. put her put her in a in a in a in a shower something that we this movie is halfway over and we don't have any nudity 
Yeah. And to think that Alien was almost a Corman movie. Like he said, I like the script a lot and I would buy it in a hot second, but you need a lot more money than I would ever be able to give you to actually make it. Shop it around town. And if no one buys it, you can make it here. And then Fox and Brandywine bought it. But Alien almost happened at Corman's studio. James Cameron could have been making sets for Alien is the wild fucking thing. And they ended up making this instead as a reaction to how well Alien did. Well, it's just, you know, it gives you a good compare and contrast over how, uh, you know, Alien has a, a, a weird sort of, you know, sexual and invasive vibe to it, but without actually, you know, like the, if you want to call it rape scene between Ash and Ripley, it's so unsettling because he kind of knows what he's doing, but not at the same time. Uh-huh. And it's really weird and creepy. Whereas here is just a big, you know, worm puppet just squish, 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 and squishing <laughs> a naked woman's body. And it's like, you know, this is someone's fetish. You yeah. know? <laughs> and it's just like, and you know, and you know that the, that the you know, Corman was thinking someone's going to get turned on by this, <laughs> whereas in whereas in Alien, it's like, oh, this is really disturbing because mm-hmm. because you know here is a robot that understands what rape is but doesn't know how to do it. Yeah, and 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 but it's like it's bad enough that he has that idea planted in him somewhere that he knows what this is, and and I mean it took me a couple of viewings, you know, you know, and well into my late teens, but I'm like, oh, oh, that's what he's doing to her. Okay, I thought he was just you know trying to suffocate her. No, he thinks he's raping her, yeah. and and you know, and that's a lot more unsettling than you know a big goo worm just you know rubbing itself up on a naked lady. <laughs> yeah. Uh, someday we'll end up having to, t- not having, like it's a chore. We'll talk about Alien in some way, shape, or form, because uh, it's just, it's so rich. All of its ideas are there, and they're so well hinted at. You know, it's both on the surface and under the surface. It's It's just that delicate balance of all the right things happening at all the right times. Like if Walter Hill had directed that movie, it would not be alien as we know it. It just wouldn't be. If it had been a Corman movie, it wouldn't be alien as we knew it. So you need all of those misfires and mistakes and people saying no and misfortunes and Fox not believing in H.R. Giger. You need all that shit to happen in order for Alien to become Alien. Whereas with Galaxy of Terror, what's holding them back is like our imagination wants to do all these things and we only have the budget to do seven of them. And... (laughs) They try. Choose wisely. Choose wisely. They may not have exactly chosen wisely. Well, it looks good and it doesn't belabor its point. It doesn't stick around too long. Like it's it's over and done in less than 90 minutes. Like it it moves. It might move a tad too fast. It might have needed four more minutes of character development here and there. But uh, you know, as far as attempts go, it probably my favorite rip off of alien uh, by a country mile. <laughs> All right. I, I will, I will, I will give you that. Yeah. Uh, so that just about does it. Um, Gina, 
before we get any further, uh, why don't you tell us what's happening on the Patreon part uh, where people give of themselves unto us so we don't have to pay to goof on Galaxy of Terror. Uh, they, they, they foot the bill for us and we love them for it. Well, things are a little slow right now, uh, which you all should should get on this pretty soon because our next episode is going to be about a movie that is near and dear to both of us, and that is the remake of The Blob. Yes, nineteen eighty eight. Chuck I'm, Russell. I am I am very excited to talk about it. And and you know, while the while the movies that neither of us like are always entertaining, I like to think that the movies we both love are the, the episodes about those are much more entertaining because we sound so like a couple we have we we both sound like a couple of little kids on Christmas morning. <laughs> Man, we are going to talk all about that guy's haircut and how it almost ruins the movie and how it's really just Shawnee Smith's uh, movie. The whole thing is about Shawnee Smith, and I don't know why she doesn't have top billing because she's the best thing in it, and I love and how, every and, component and, of it. And and how and how unlike Jason, the blob gives us gives no fucks about killing little kids. <laughs> no, he does not. Uh, that movie is hardcore, and I love every. It's just oh, every part of it's so cool, with the exception of that haircut. Oh my god, just the worst. Okay, uh, you know the other part that seems to have stalled out for us, despite us being in the top twenty now of movie histories on iTunes, is our iTunes reviews. They seem to have topped out. And I I know every podcast asks you to write a review and you think, I'll do it one day. Please do it today. <laughs> do it tomorrow. Do it soon. Um, the more reviews we have, the higher our ranking gets and the more we will be seen by other people. So if you love the show, if you listen to the show and you and you really like it, Please review us on whatever podcast app you have. If you happen to have access to Apple Podcasts, please review us there. Um, with this new delineation system, we have the ability to maybe carve out a space for ourselves within movie histories, but we can't just do it with downloads alone. We we also need the component of new reviews. So please don't let the one person who gave us two stars be the last person to give us a review. <laughs> give oh, us no. uh, one person. One person gave us two. St- Listen, if we don't, if we don't have some people who hate us, uh, we're not doing that good of a job. Uh, we want you to violently hate, uh, not violently hate us. We want you to violently love us uh, and rate us on iTunes highly. That would be great. Gina, where can people follow you in these here internets? I write about movies and old television at my own website at GinaRadcliffe.com. I am also a writer for The Spool. That's thespool.net. And you can follow me on Twitter under Porcelain72. Do it today, people. Check it out. You can, of course, follow us on Twitter at KillByKillPod, Instagram at KillByKillPod, kill podcast and facebook we have the page which is mainly about announcements and then the group where we can talk about individual episodes uh in in more detail or you can also tell me hey is this episode supposed to have music and i'm like it should and it turns out i uploaded the wrong file uh so people who uploaded volume one got a musicless episode uh congrats to that uh i'm not perfect 
but you can also discuss all the weird things we find on the internet that's horror related. And we promise uh, not to have as many horrible people as you might find in other uh, Facebook horror groups. <laughs> Not naming anyone in particular, but you know who. We're oh shit! About. We're calling. We're calling them out. Well, it's a West Side Story for 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 horror for horror group, horror movie groups. Listen, we've all been there. We've we've met an opinion that we just can't possibly fathom anymore, and you just got to jump ship. Well, why not do that? But in our Facebook group, and give us problems that we don't need. Uh, so that does it uh, for Galaxy of Terror. Uh, but don't worry, folks. The body count will continue as we return to the final nightmare. That's right. Freddy's Dead, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Part 6. Although the title of the movie has no A Nightmare on Elm Street in it. Uh, so that's going to look super weird in your iTunes feed. Uh, anyways, for myself and for Gina, bye-bye, everybody. Bye.